We are April and Scott, creators of NaughtyGym.com, and this is The Naughty Gym Show. For years, we've been fitness and nutrition coaches to thousands of people through our commercial gyms and online platform. We've also spent nearly a decade in an ever-evolving open relationship. This show brings together two of our biggest passions, fitness and sex positivity. Our mission is to maximize the physical and mental health of anyone brave enough to explore relationship structures that run counter to societal norms. We have demolished our old ways of thinking about relationships and from that rubble built a life full of happiness, adventure, and vitality. And now we want to help you do the same. So hop on the treadmill, start the show, and let us teach you how to never stop playing. All right, this is Scott and April, and we're back for our next uh, episode of the Naughty Gym Show. We've got a fantastic guest today. His name is Martin McDonald, and he is Martin. I don't even actually know where you live. <laughs> well, uh, just England, I guess. UK for all of it. That's as much as people probably know about the UK. I knew you didn't sound like you live anywhere near us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Martin is a clinical performance nutritionist. Uh, a podcaster, a little bit of a philosopher, but he's also a non-monogamous, a little bit of everything. Um, he's got an incredible Instagram, incredible podcast. So make sure after this episode, you go and check him out on all of his platforms. Yeah, we ran across you, um, you know, our, our scroll, our feed on all our social media accounts is full of two things, health and wellness people and sex positive people. And so it was bound to happen, I think, that we would eventually run into you on social media. But yeah, um, yeah we're, we're, we're incredibly happy to have you on the show. And uh, we've got a million questions. So uh, thanks yeah. for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've never been introduced as a philosopher, April. So uh, I appreciate that. That's, uh, I'm going to add that to my bio. That's oh, a big compliment. Anybody who has seen your social medias and also listened to your podcast would, I think, come to that conclusion. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I, I, you know, I want that time. <laughs> well, I did say you said Martin to have a lot of the same thought processes um, just from listening to his podcast. So, well, so a couple of th- we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff, but primarily what we were interested in talking to you for is because we share so many common elements in our lives. We were all interested in fitness and nutrition and, uh, are also in a type of open relationship. Um, and that intersection between those two worlds, the health and wellness and um, consensual non-monogamy of some form, is has become the focus of our life. And it sounds like uh, probably has started becoming the primary focus of yours as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's... um. I had, I had someone when I started my new Instagram account, I've got kind of the two, which someone sort of said oh do you think starting this new account where you talk more about these other topics will impact your other account or your business and i said well the basis for this new account is being non-judgmental being body positive being kind and thoughtful and evidence-based uh so as far as i'm concerned they are exactly along the same lines it's just one focuses on the nutrition side of being evidence-based um health living your life well and the other one focuses more on 
some maybe other philosophical topics, the E&M. You know, my first ever post on that new account, it had like maybe six or seven or nine topics I was going to talk about. But as soon as I launched the account, people only wanted to know about E&M, anything sex positivity, uh, my relationships. That That's all the questions I ever got. I'm like, oh, I want to talk about, uh, you know, my thoughts on religion or feminism or, or sort of something that no no that 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 just talk to me about blowjobs it's like oh <laughs> god of our shade of those blowjobs well that's do you know i one of the first things i ever saw of you guys was one of your like an outtakes video saying if you want to get good at anal or like butt stuff it's just like yeah it's get me up yeah. that's what grabs people's attention yeah yeah <laughs> Most performing videos, and it was like a, just a, a compilation of cool that, that yeah. well, I loved it. Well, it's interesting you you talk about that intersection of all of those things because that was the big focus of a major event event we just put on in Jamaica back in early January, where we had it was that hedonism resort. There was four hundred and something plus people there, and we brought in sex therapists, counselors, psychiatrists, sex coaches and put them all in a big pot mixed it together and in the end it it just became this really magical um almost like adult camp summer camp type feel but yep. by the time it was over everybody was crying and didn't want to leave because oh. i think at least partially the reason for that chemistry that connection between everyone is that finally they were able to take all of these separate pieces of their lifestyle puzzle and put them together and talk about them. And mm -hmm. it, it was really a magical moment. So, um, that sounds so nice. Yeah, you're, you're a perfect fit for that type of uh, outlook for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, it, it is nice in terms of, I think it's another big reason, like April, you said about my podcast, I was always very conflicted in terms of some of the other topics I wanted to talk about. It's just like, I'm the nutrition guy and always have been, <clears throat> but I wanted to talk. And that's why I have like nutrition and then the title of the podcast and then business and the title of the podcast and then wisdom and the title of the podcast, because it's that philosophy or philosophical views or <clears throat> living your life well, or like what is happiness. And it, 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 it feels like people love to put people in boxes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Oh, as soon as someone becomes a parent, it's like, you have to stop going out partying. And it's like, people lose their identity because they're growing up. And then, you know, mums and dads are just get upset and I'm happy. And they, people who don't have kids are then like, oh, I've lost all my friends. Whereas you don't have to live these separate lives. It's just sadly society and people do just box people off of, with me, it's crazy. They're like, oh, you're an academic. You speak very well. Um, and the, and people have said, oh, you seem so vanilla. And then they're like, you're really <laughs> not vanilla. And I'm like, there's nothing about me that <clears throat> you should be able to say whether I'm vanilla or not. Like I'm not boring. I've got a great sense of humor. But it's, you know, it, 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 I, you must not be into that because you're a scientist. And it's like, no, like, I reckon yeah. Einstein was a freak. Um, you're, you're an academic. No way you're doing any of this cool stuff. Tell us a little bit about your background as far as your education, because a clinical performance nutritionist, but anybody, when I've watched your stuff, you're very research and evidence based, mm -hmm. which I absolutely love. You, you. you bought a bunch of like nutrition myths and 
Um, so tell us a little bit about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, my background academically, I was in the kind of sports science, sports nutrition, performance nutrition world. And um, as, a, as a kind of late teenager, I started going down the degrees and, and master's route. And I actually competed in natural bodybuilding for five years, but um, I wasn't very good at it. Uh, but I really enjoyed the um, nutritional pursuit of it, the, the kind of discipline. And actually, I learned so much from it because I did so much wrong. The types of coaches and the big names in the industry, because this is this is when I started doing that, that's over 20 years ago now. And so it's like um, back then, so a lot of the messages were really bad uh, as i'm i'm sure you guys will have sort of been through all of the fads and phases that <clears throat> the industry's gone through so i ended up with really bad eating habits disordered eating and a, like a really poor relationship with food and so but but at the same time i was studying academically but my studies were much more towards performance nutrition so team gb going to the olympics i was the lead nutritionist for um british weightlifting uh, Paralympic powerlifting. I worked in professional football. So that was my earlier career. But I ended up weirdly doing some stuff on TV. And then a celebrity um, or her agent got in contact with me and said, Oh, she wants to do this um, fat loss DVD. And we want the angle to be that we're doing it in an evidence based way. We contacted the universities and your name kept coming up. Can we talk to you? And she ended up mentioning me on like the biggest trashy daytime tev television talk shows like three times. And my career just went a totally different direction. Um, and so then I, then I went back to school because one sort of as someone who I try and live with integrity, I was like, I'm work, I'm working with all these people on weight loss and lots of clinical situations. I was like, Oh, I wasn't working with them. I was getting inquiries. So I went back to school and did a postgraduate in clinical nutrition. So that's how I've got this clinical performance nutritionist title, which I gave myself, uh, but it sounds cool, right? Um, I've I've actually seen... Got to work on my titles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Philosopher and clinical performance nutritionist. That's my LinkedIn from now on. Um, but yeah, so so that's how my nutrition consultancy was born. And, um, so that, that went on for, uh, maybe sort of eight years. And then just because I love social media, I love public speaking's my thing. I could just do that all day long. I absolutely love it. Um, and so I ended up getting sort of some followers and, um, lots of professionals, fit, fitness professionals started following me and I started doing education weekends. And then essentially what happened was people were like, oh, you should create a course for people because there's all these other courses out there. Lots of them, even the biggest and best ones from America and Canada, they still have lots of elements of bro science or pseudoscience in them. Um, or they have one method that they teach you rather than teaching you to be this sort of nutritional agnostic. And these are the tools now work with the human being in front of you. So anyway, I ended up, we, we, we created Matt Nutrition Uni, our nutrition qualification. And it just, honestly, it was supposed to be like a little course on YouTube, a sidearm of our business. And it just blew up. Like it went global. Um, couldn't believe it. And so we had to close down our nutrition consultancy. And that 
that was 2016 and we haven't done anything else since other than just flying by the seat of our pants trying to get a handle on working with people in 80 plus countries um and just like students from all over the world just it, and it's cool i honestly feel so privileged for just being in the right time in the right place with the right right resources um and i feel like i sort of benefited because i'd been giving out free information for 10 years and just like you said just trying to help people educate people and trying to educate professionals not general population so i had this small but very loyal following and then from there 2016 it just i mean my account's not huge i'd love to have millions of followers like i'd i would love it like people say oh you shouldn't celebrate followers but i'm like the more followers i have the more i can influence and i feel like my influence in the world is a positive one so w why wouldn't i want more followers yeah so like i was shit at what i did when I just had degree, just academic qualifications. And I think everyone in the industry knows that when you start working with real humans, you go, oh, um, what I learned doesn't apply in the way they said it did. <laughs> um, and because and I, I love maths, I, I'm like a mathematical person. But when you work with humans, it's like you can do all the maths, but if someone doesn't follow your perfect macro split or calories, it's just rubbish it doesn't work so um that that for me was a a big thing in terms of i i knew stuff i was misinformed because i was listening to the biggest name in the industry who was shouting about the optimal macro ratios for different body types and um you know toxins that were causing you not to be able to lose fat when it's just all excuses for forcing people to eat restrictive diets and um uh, just cut foods and cut calories it, without having to say actually it's just about what you're eating and how much you're eating um and and helping people th from a behavioral perspective which is where really the magic lies i think so it's primarily your business now is to teaching people how to coach nutrition yeah so mac nutrition uni yeah it's a qualification um and we actually just last year uh I think it was last year, uh, we got, became a government, uh, accredited regulated qualification. So that was huge for us. Um, and so we set up in 2016, just as a professional, you know, like anyone can, you just, someone just creates a course, but we, because of the way we do it, like I, my background, which I kind of skipped is I was a lecturer at university. So after I'd done my degree of masters and I just didn't like the red tape, um, the politics, and and that's when that lady mentioned me on TV and I was like, ah, I don't need to be a university lecturer anymore. I'll go and do my own talks because I just love teaching. Like that's my passion. I thought I had to be a teacher to teach. Um, but you can just talk, teach people through podcasts, right? Like this and um, do your own talks and stuff. So yeah, that's um, that we create our qualification. It became government regulated. So people can now become fully qualified, insurable nutritionists. Um, through our course, yeah. Well, so you've got now this this growing and thriving coaching business, but you've launched. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly when you did the second Instagram account, but it's E and M focused. It looks like primarily. I may not have been. <laughs> so when did you when did you start that account, and what was the, you know, what was the impetus for it? Why did you want to do it? Yeah. So. I should probably look on my phone. It's 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 only been going like a few months. I'm trying to think when I launched it. What what are we in now? February. So 
just like the back end of last year, I launched that. And I, I actually, probably six months before that, just said on my story, look, there's all these other topics I like to talk about, um, sort of. Adult humor was one of the things that I thought, and that kind of goes with sex positivity, but I was just like, I want to tell these 18 plus jokes. My nutrition account tends to be very family friendly. People do like it that I used to do loads of stories, 20 stories a day, um, just education and polls and chatting and whatever. And I don't, I wouldn't swear, I keep it on topic. I would, and I'd just make little innuendos a bit like, I do love the way some of the bigger, you know, like Disney or whoever, you always get these like jokes that are just for the parents, you know, like really subtle adult jokes. Um, but I wanted to just make, because me and sort of my partners and friends, you know, the kind of jokes we would share are extreme. Uh, and so I wanted to just, and I'd see stuff on my algorithm because obviously the algorithm knows everything and I'd want to share it with people who might find it funny too. But then I, I can't just be like one minute, like, oh, carbohydrates and fiber. And then the next minute, like, Titties. yeah, you know, like whatever. Um, Do you also give like nutrition advice and stuff for parents, for their children and stuff like that? So that I could see that would probably not. Yeah. So the impetus, the impetus was just being more myself, uh, wanting to just, because it's it, as much as I've never really done my nutrition stuff as a business really i just love talking about nutrition my whole life it's it's something that really helps people people are so you know if i go to a wedding i always i like being the center of attention but my job also makes me that way because you say that at a dinner table and everyone's like oh they're all asking you questions so then i'm buzzing because it's like oh look at me center of attention um but then you can really help people so then it's like that gives you more of that you know dopamine <laughs> hit um so, yeah, I guess the new account was then, because these other things I want to talk about, um, some things which I think I'm not an expert, quote unquote expert on, but I think through my podcast, my wisdom podcast, podcast talking about like gratitude and happiness, um, living a virtuous life, I'm a big fan of stoicism, um, I, I kind of realized, you know, I am a deep thinker. I may not be an expert, but I think very heavily about certain topics and, and I think have a very balanced view and am able to, I think it is a skill you learn and something I've learned very well through nutrition is critical thinking. So I apply that to other areas. So I was like, do you know what? I'm really enjoying this. People were loving it and sort of saying this really helped me in a dark time. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to create this new account where I might ruffle some feathers if I talk about religion or feminism and or, or sex positivity or ENM, but at least people have signed up to nutrition there. And that's what I'll talk about there while still being myself. But here, I also don't care what you think. So if you get upset because of a meme about eating ass, then cool, you can go somewhere else. Uh, I saw that face, Scott. Uh, <laughs> well, approval. You know, to this, I, like we have our. We have a similar setup in that we have our vanilla social media accounts and then we have our naughty gym and, and they don't really mix. Yeah. It drives me nuts because I don't like having to, I, I don't like presenting like I'm one way and, and have, yeah. feel like you have something to hide. Right. I cannot stand, I'm an oversharer mm -hmm. and I cannot stand having to hide aspects of myself. 
Not that I think everybody wants to know about the sex life. There's probably like three people in the world that care. Uh, but I hate feeling like I have to, that, that I'm going to get in trouble if I share that side. And so it makes yeah. me share it, even though there's probably very few people that care to hear about it. <laughs> yeah. But but that that other account for you may serve in that capacity where it allows you to feel like, okay, I can publicly be myself here at least. Mm. Maybe not on my bigger, more professional camera equipment. It's so funny you've said that. I, it was either the shower today or yesterday. I was honestly thinking, I can't be bothered to have two accounts. I, I'll just stop sharing my, uh, the fact that I'm a parent and I'll just make this account all about me. But then I'm like, ah, oh, but I, like my children, I love them. They're like the biggest part of my life. So then I'm like, oh, I have to keep two accounts. So it's annoying that I just have to live based on other people's values, but I also don't want to unnecessarily offend people because people are offended easily let's be honest so on my new account i said no snowflakes you know the day i announced it i got a thousand uh like requests to follow i made it private so everyone had to request um and instantly a thousand followers and i was like no snowflakes um you will be offended i will actively try and offend you just so that i know the people who remain are cool and just not losing um serves as a film yeah and so it's just like look because we can all get offended like being offended isn't the issue it's making your offense someone else's problem like you could say something to offend me and i'd just go oh you know that didn't sit well with me i'm not feeling well today or you know my family member is sick and you've made a joke about that illness like cool be offended but it's not your fault because it's just comedy it's just a joke right? yeah uh, that we are almost impossible to offend yes. because how you feel about something has no relevance to me. Yeah. And so if it does, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah. 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 And on social media, you have the choice, right? Like right. you can just go, Oh, swipe off it or not follow. It's just like, just carry on with your life. It's ridiculous. The amount of hate messages we've received over the last four or five years. Really? From people who, they want to lecture us about the morality of what we do or the yeah. lack of morality of what we do or just, you know, throw negative comments at us. And it's incredible that somebody could care so deeply about what we do. In the yeah. And they, a, of course, they would deny that they care. But the fact that they're sending us messages. Well, most of that comes from very, we live in a very religious, well, America, I guess, you know, is a very christian nation anyways but we also yeah. live in the bible belt the most religious um and so right. but you also, <laughs> wow you also come from a religious background though yeah. so tell us a little bit about that and how you came to non-monogamy or the sex positive world yeah i'll just just something that scott said there there's a i saw a quote which was there's no hate like christian love uh, which, which is like, when I saw that, I was like, oh my God, that is, it's so true. Like, it's just the whole thing of Jesus being like, oh, it's about loving people and not judging people and only God can judge. And then it's like, they're judging you in your comments constantly. Just like, it's like, what I, I want to tell you before you go into your, I want to tell you a 60 second story to highlight that exact thing. Okay, cool. This past Christmas, um, it's me and my very childhood best friend, who is also my cousin, uh, He's a preacher, very against everything that we do. 
um, the fact that I'm an atheist, the fact that, you know, we're non-monogamous, all that stuff. Uh, he and I will still exchange some messages throughout the year during Alabama University football games, uh, American football games. That's the only yeah. time we really communicate with him. At this last exchange toward the end of the season, which was in early December, uh, I said, well, hey, for the first time, you know, since eight in eight years, we're going to come to the family Christmas this year because my mom had kind of talked me into it. She won't go if I don't go. My brother won't go if I don't go. And the reason I hadn't gone is because they're going to be uncomfortable with us. And I didn't we didn't want to make their Christmas. Uncomfortable. Yeah. Mom, mom asked. So we're going to go. I sent him a message. Well, hey, it's great chatting with you. I look forward to seeing y'all at the Christmas this year. Um, looks like my whole family's coming. Three hours later or so, there was this long delay. He responded back and said, well, I've discussed this with the family, and we have all decided that if you're coming, we're not going to be there. So the Christian love uh, <laughs> just decided that, you know, and we just, we just much as well, okay, well, never mind. You guys have your Christmas. We're not, we're not here to ruin anything. We're, we won't come. Uh, oh, sorry. my God. They're like they don't even want to try to save us. <laughs> well, that, well, that's that's exactly it, right? Like if you if they read their Bible with Jesus hanging around with prostitutes, and like he hung around with these people because you're supposed to be right evangelizing and like this this saving people. It's just like that. That's absolute madness. Like it's the opposite of what you should be doing, and it's the opposite of what your God did. Right. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. It's crazy. We do this for free. <laughs> we have sex with other people and don't get paid for it. That's it's insane. Uh, All right, so go ahead. Tell us about your okay. religious. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also did that. Sorry, like this is so cool talking to people who are so similar. Uh, I did. I did a post about uh, God supports OnlyFans. Like you just when you said that about. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, but um, yeah. because. I, I was I have loads of saved drafts and because I, I don't go out to offend people ever because uh, I don't like it. Like if I was one on one with someone, I would like totally just I would change the way I am to suit them because I'm just a nice person. But but I'm not going to do things in my own space on my own social media where they can choose to look away. But but so I, I was going to I've got a whole load of things with passages from the Bible that I think that they're never taught in Sunday school. Like they would never be taught in a sermon because it's like, there's obviously so much incest and slavery and all these things that we know are wrong. Um, but it's like, oh yeah, but it was relevant to the time. And it's like, what? So God who's omnipotent, um, omnipresent, you know, and who who's the alpha and the mega, all, all these things. It's like, so he didn't know, if, you know, a couple of thousand years ago, 4,000 years ago, that probably slavery wasn't the best idea. And maybe he should write it in that little book. It was like, no, because he was talking to the people at the time. It's like, oh my goodness. Like it's, it's madness. Um, but yeah, so the, the Odie fans things is, is God like ordained King David to have 700 concubines, like prostitutes. So he's like, he was E&M. Uh, by ordained by God, so it's just like he killed Goliath. He, the guy's cool. Um, you should put that on LinkedIn as well that you're ordained by God. Yeah, yeah. what I do is ordained by God. Oh God. Um, so to add. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so my my background is uh, I guess I was brought up in a Baptist church. Um, I just very typical. Um, I guess there's no such thing actually as typical, but for me, it was like, it's not anything super extreme. Like I, I, I went to some sort of summer camp type things where it was like very, very 
happy clappy like the the very american i'd call it um yeah. and in fact like the you know hillsong and those sorts of people they would fly over the the worship leaders to to go to these camps and whatever um so that was my upbringing uh and you know just loads of you know no sex before marriage sexual shame um you know masturbation's wrong just all of these like quite um troublesome or what's the word I, I I did a post or a story about this this week, but just how very unnatural for mammals or humans to just be being celibate and, and you know, priests being celibate, like it's not the natural form um, and it, the potential issues that can lead to it. And, and I liken it to when people go, kids, like no sweets, or you live in a household where they, you know, you can't sleep over at your friend's house and you can never drink alcohol and blah, blah, blah. And then people go to uni university or college you guys call it and then they just become massive alcoholic slags um and um it's just you know they'll just bang anyone and they'll just drink anything and it's this whole thing of like whereas you, you know in the uk we're close to france and they've got this much more cultured view like oh you can have a sip of wine you can have some alcohol and they don't have binge drinking like we do here in the uk so it's just stuff like that um for me I, I don't think I necessarily ever went off the rails and I, because it wasn't, it just, it wasn't, I didn't live and grew up in a sex positive household. Everything was very, you, you know, you didn't talk about that stuff. It was just so, and this is another thing that I, I, I wanted to start a sex podcast in terms of, because I feel like lots of sex educators are typically women talking to women and, um, which is fantastic. But then there's this whole thing of like, well, where, where are young men getting their information from? Like no young man's going to listen to a podcast, which can come across as a bit man hating sometimes. Um, even, even accidentally, accidentally, um, because they're like, Oh, men can't find the clip. So this is what we should do. And it's just like, Oh, guess what? Women are bad at giving head too sometimes often. Um, so I, I actually did a, uh, yeah um so i wanted to do this but i i didn't because of the hate that typically male educators get from just a, a female sex educator it's like very much pro it's like this is great it's empowering to women women should be able to talk about masturbation whereas if i'm like talking about i do a podcast talking about masturbation or sex or sex toys it's like you're a creep you're um like it's it is and i even am that way i'm biased if i see a guy talking about that stuff it can feel like you're a bit weird i think um even though i am that person i love talking about sex i love talking about um how to have great sexual health and relationships um real quick when we were planning our um retreat at hedonism i was intentionally looking for a man to bring in to talk to men about their sexual health and performance and could not find one. Was it the sex positive? We were talking about your religious background. Was it the sex? How you came to Ina? Was sex your avenue out of religion or was it something else? No, it was, no, I just, lots of it never sat right with me. I don't think. Um, maybe it was the, the beginnings of an, of a critical mindset. Uh, I don't know because I wasn't, I haven't been a great philosophical critical thinker because I do think you, a lot of religion is just indoctrin, indoctrination. You just, 
you've always known it. You don't question stuff. You're not taught to question stuff. And even when I didn't necessarily identify as a Christian anymore, I still wasn't openly sex positive. You know, I was a very sexual being in my relationships, but I wasn't E&M. Yeah, it wasn't part of my life. And then it was actually just, <clears throat> it was only probably five years ago that I had my first um, open relationship. And then, um, and even then, to me, it was like, I've struck gold. I found a girl I love and who loves me so much, she'll let me. And I, I still thought it was wrong. Like, I still thought it was something to hide. It was just like, oh, I've somehow managed to trick her. Like, it wasn't a manipulation thing. She, she was the one who said it. But I was like, this isn't normal. I shouldn't be allowed this. I'm literally having my cake and eating it. And how I met my, my partner now was actually we got together as a three and then we were all friends and then that relationship sadly ended. But I'm now with my partner. So we started open and it's been then just this progressive journey of learning about, oh, there's other people like us. Um, you know, when you have this great, supportive, um, transparent, honest, communicative relationship, you can flourish um, and you're not a weirdo and you're not uh, immoral. But it's, so you... difficult. it's so difficult to explain that to somebody that, that has no uh, interest in consensual non-monogamy because you say all of that and the person hearing you is just hearing yeah you just want to fuck people it's it, yeah it, and but, but for us especially the longer we've been in it the more it has become a uh, very connection centered it's not sex is a part of it yeah but it, it's not really the driving force for us anymore it's like these deep almost spiritual connections with other yeah that you were never allowed to have in your monogamous you know, para paradigm that you lived in before. Yeah. We have these phenomenal friends and deep connections, but sex is just sort of a byproduct of that connection. It is so it like like I have already said it this podcast, but it is crazy talk it's like talking to a mirror, as it were. Um it's just yeah. a like a better looking version. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh this is a good <laughs> I need glasses to look all <laughs> have intellect. Helped you. I said you have a lot of the similar thoughts. Yeah, it is that spiritual thing of because because I am we are very much the same. Of like, sex is just such a small. Uh, people sort of say to me, "Oh, you're such a lucky guy." Um, you know, sort of having multiple partners, not just like being able to sleep with more people, go to a party where you sleep with someone else's partner, like actually having more than one partner myself. And I'm like. How, how how much effort do you put into your relationship and like how many how many dramas do you have and how much whatever i was like now imagine that times two like you, you it's not just more sex like I, I i'm not someone i was talking about king david on my instagram live last night i was like imagine having 700 prostitutes to satisfy i'm like i'm not man enough uh it's that's not possible i've not got that sex drive um and I think I, you know, when I've posted about our, our sex life, people are like, God, that's crazy. But in terms of the sex part of it, it's like, that's only a very small part of life even. Like it's such an important part. But in terms of you've then got the, the other 20 hours a day of talking and being with someone and being in a relationship and listening to their troubles and putting up with their bad moods. And like, it's not, it's, 
I don't feel like I'm having my cake and eating it at all in terms of um, relationships necessarily. Um, be, you know, being able to have fun and have these spiritual connections, it's like, um, for me, that's some people I think in the, the swinging world here, because I think there is definitely differences if you're just uh, people who just go to a party or go to a swingers club and then maybe just have sex with someone. And people often build connection, but sometimes it is just a physical thing for them. Um, and I feel like the poly world and the ENM world, it does become these things of like, you'll literally become best friends with people. And just because you are sex positive and you're everyone's, we'll just use the word horny. It's a word that's filled with so many, I think, negative connotations often of just like you said, oh, you just want to fuck people. But it's like, actually, you just love and like, I, I'm very a tactile person. I, I love hugging people, but like, I'm completely straight, which is uh, a bad thing. Two of my partners are like, why can't you just be bi? Um, uh, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry the way I am. Uh, so uh, I'm like, I'm working on it. Like, what do I need some bibliotherapy to like put some demons in me? Um, uh, you don't have the bad demons. Yeah. You know, when you said about yeah. the people that say, um, you know, you're having your cake and eating it too, or you just want to fuck people, I feel like they're not critical thinkers, number one. Mm. But feel somehow challenged that you're living with so much freedom in your life yeah. that, that it offends them. Like they take like a personal, like offense, like how, how dare you live with so much freedom it to them. It does look like you're having your cake and eating it too, because they're either under religious oppression or traditional oppression, whatever it is, they're not mm. able to have that. And you can almost yeah. sense that uh, yeah. some of those people are just sitting on the edge of their seat, waiting for it to all implode for you in your life. So true. Yeah. You, just, you know they're going to be so happy. Like if, if mine and her relationship were to falter, oh, there's so many people who'd be like, I, I knew it. I knew that would happen. I mean, <laughs> how did they ever think there was any other possible outcome to this? I think that is something I've found this for. 10 plus years just on my Instagram, my nutrition, sorry, Instagram account is projection is just this biggest thing. Like whenever I mentor any of our graduates and students, the first thing they get, the first time they get a troll or someone pushing back on their contact, uh, on their content or whatever, and just getting angry with them for saying something. So I sort of say to them, look, there's lots of jealousy. There's lots of people who will just project their own insecurities onto you. You just have to feel sorry for them like there's nothing more really to say it's like if you're attacking a random stranger on the internet um there's something that's there's a deficit in your own life and it, once you know that you can then just carry on living you know ha happy with your life and actually feeling sorry for them you're not taking the mickey out of them because they don't have a great life you're going i wish you had what i had and i'd love to help you so you know coming up from that like um you know killing with kindness and and stuff it's it I get it that one of the biggest things of like, oh, polyamorous or ENM or whatever relationships, they never end well. And it's like, let's look at the stats on divorce, shall we? Um, in monogamous relationships, it's like no, nothing, like relationships are hard. It's like nothing is working the world over. Um, but actually, probably if we had good research, which we don't on the outcomes of ENM, like we have great actually research around, um, sexual health and enm and you know people will often criticize oh 
well, have fun with all your sexual diseases. And, and I'm like, well, let's actually look, let's be evidence-based about this, shall we? Let's look at what the research says. Oh, look, people in ENM relationships are categorically much more stringent with testing. They are much more careful. And, you know, if you look at the data and you extrapolate it, you go, well, um, there's far more testing and there's, you know, it, with fewer people, there's the same amount, if not less, uh, STIs within ethically non-monogamous communities than there are in secular, which is obvious because very often people who cheat are not going to be the ones who are like, oh, I'm going to go and get tested or I'm going to double check. I'm going to have these open and honest communications of, look, if we're going to have sex, I want to use protection or can we do testing and share that before we meet because I've got other partners to protect who know we're going to have sex and they've told me that you need to send that. So it's like, it's obvious, like it's confirmation bias for me that the research says this, but it's just obvious. Um, of course, in communities where we're having sex more, we're going to care more about not getting those diseases. The other side of it is, is I was so ashamed, like buying condoms. You're like, oh, this is awkward. Or going to a sexual health clinic. It's like you're some sort of disease infested human. It's just a virus. Like it's just a virus that you've caught some from someone else. If you catch a cough, that's a virus and you've caught from another human being. The only reason to be ashamed about having, if you do unfortunately ha happen to contract a, a, uh, an STI, is there's no shame unless you think the act of having sex was dirty. Right. So, so that's where it all stems from. Do you believe sex is a dirty act? No. Okay. So what's wrong with having an STI? It's unfortunate. I didn't want to give it to you. I didn't want to get it from you. But I, if we had been just chatting and you coughed in my presence, I mean, I didn't even consent to you coughing on me. <laughs> I consented to you, to you putting your mouth on me in the bedroom. Um, but it's, it's, it's this whole thing of there's just so much shame that, but it all stems from one area. And I think people often, even if they're not active churchgoers or religious people of whatever religion, they have the shame. And it's like, Where's this coming from? You don't have any beliefs that support this weird shame cycle that you're in. I think part of our, our goal, one of our goals in the podcast is just, we feel like we're just normal people. I mean, we have some abnormal hobbies, but you know, we're not, we're not some super rich people. We're not some super influential people. We're just normal. And having these types of conversations makes it easier for other people to have these types of conversations. And, and and hopefully that ball can keep rolling, and uh, because it is, it's incredibly awkward. It's not in our community to have conversations about sex. That's not awkward. You know, people in open relationships of some stripe have no problems talking about this stuff. But you try to go to dinner with somebody that's a little more traditional and have a sexual conversation, and often it's just going to get shut down quickly because you can feel the tension around the table, and uh, it shouldn't be that way. We really thought once we got outed that now all of our vanilla friends would be helping us with questions about it. And we're like, all right, we got to, we got to dig in. We got to be ready. Cause that's how we would be. We'd be like, tell us everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. More, nobody, nobody wanted, nobody asked us any questions. Which yeah. was like, Oh my God. So everybody's so uncomfortable with this topic that they're not even going to, I mean, this, this was set up, it was teed up for them to ask to have the most interesting conversation with these two people who are now uh, publicly identified sexual freaks. <laughs> yeah. They won't even ask us a question about it. That's how awkward 
the topic or uncomfortable that topic can be. Wow, that's weird. Like I like I said, when I started my account, it was all of my questions. Like again, lots of these people are kind of online friends and you know graduates of my courses and and you know around the world who you know lots of the messaging said well what was really amazing actually when i went public with it all is the number of people who were like oh my god me and my husband me and my partner me and my boyfriend me and my girlfriend we're enm we're poly we're swingers we're whatever we're in an open relationship but we don't tell anyone but then they're like they're telling me in my dms um and it was a lot of people, like I don't want to sort of say it's most people on my new account because people will go scrolling through the followers and going, oh my goodness, I know her, she's e &M. Um, but But it is funny that it's so sad. And I, I don't know if you guys are aware of this or it's just, I think it probably is big in America, but here you lose your job for discussing any of this. Like even if you're just, it's nothing to do with your job. You just can't be this way. Like if you're single and you're a and you're a slut, an unethical slut, um, there's a good book recommendation for I'm not a book reader, but have you heard this? The, the ethical slut, have you seen it? Yeah. Um, but if you're an unethical slut, um That's okay. That's fine. Yeah. But if you're in a committed, honest, moral, ethical relationship, marriage, um, you can't sleep with other people. And if we find out, we'll fire you. Yeah, that happens here in America. Um, it's we lost half of our commercial business clientele because some of them were so afraid to use our business because they would be associated and could possibly be fired. Yeah, we owned, we owned a gym. So people started asking our members, oh, you go you go to that swinger gym now. We, those were completely separate. Our online audience. Yeah, totally vanilla. I mean, we had clients that we had had for years and we had to be Pro. like, you know, how does the service we are providing now change from the service I provided yesterday? <laughs> I still don't want to sleep. Wow. I'm like, yeah. 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 It, now that it's public, I'm now not going to sit in your face whilst uh, you're dead. Well, you're bench pressing. Like it's not. Yeah. But we have had like you just hundreds of people reach out to us in our community who will be like, tell us more or we're in this kind of relationship but when we see them in public they cannot they do not speak to us you know because they're like yeah. associated yeah, with it, that type of lifestyle in public people will want to ask questions and if, if they want to do it face to face which is less often mostly they want to ask questions online so they can hide behind you know the computer but if they yeah. do meet with us there's usually like well can we come to your house or y'all come to our house or we'll go someplace private because you know, anybody that gets seen out in public with us now runs the risk of being labeled as a potential yeah. non-monogamist. But that's so weird, isn't it? Like, yeah. I don't, I don't think I'm maybe because you live in a community and I don't really. So it's maybe different for me. Um, but that I find that wild that it's like, that's kind of like going, if, if, if you were gay, it's like, oh, you're hanging out with that person. You must be gay too. You know, it's like, it's not, these things aren't contagious or these things aren't like, you can be friends with someone. Like, it's like hanging out with a Christian. It's like, that doesn't make me a Christian. You don't have to, it's just like, they've got their beliefs. They've got the way they live their life. I think again, it's just people boxing people, right? It's like, oh, that's all you're about. That's all you are as human beings. You must, you're either a raver 
or you're a sex predator or you're a um you know whatever a christian or, or just we sold our commercial business a few weeks ago and uh, one oh, of yeah, our I saw that. sent us a message and said uh, i just got a message from somebody and they said so now that scott and april sold their gym what are they just going to swing full time i'm like i want that if only <laughs> <laughs> I understand what I'm gonna to have to give them a lot better shape than I need now. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna start charging people the world over for, yeah, sheesh. But I mean, it would be a cool job. It's a lack of education, um, and that's one of the reasons why we love what you do. Is you're mm. a great educator. Mm, thanks. You're and you're in. So you're in a polyamorous relationship, correct? Yeah. And, it, yeah. and it's been that's been the. The, the type of uh, consensual non-monogamy you've explored since the beginning of opening our relationship? No. So I, I, well, no, I, I probably didn't identify. It's a funny word these days, isn't it? I didn't identify or sort of call myself Polly until maybe two years ago, I'd say. Yeah, because I didn't, I guess I didn't have more than one committed relationship. I, I didn't call more than two more than one person, a girlfriend. Like, I really don't like many labels um, because I just think they, like, people will have referred to me as a dom. And I, and like, ugh, like, I really don't like it because people, people instantly have a connotation of like, what is a dom? It's like, oh, so you love beating people or using, yeah, that's the box. Exactly. It's just like, oh, well, if you're a dom, that means you like to, you know, it's, it's kind of like BDSM. All people think of is leather, chains, whips. It's like they don't realize that actually there's just, just there's, it's a massive overarching. There's lots of psychology to it as well as the physical and the sexual, etc. So, um, so yeah, I guess initially I was just ENM open relationships, and then about two years ago it was like, oh, and I kind of have always knew known I could definitely love more than one person. So my sort of primary partner. Alex, who I live with, she has, I used to think everyone was non-monogamous. I was like, everyone would be if they could be. I didn't think that. I was just like blasé. But being a deep thinker, thinking about it all the time, meeting people, just building this idea. And like, to be honest, it cemented it. When I met her, because I'm like, do what you want. I'm not going to control you. I want you to live your life to the full. I would even be turned on if you had relationships with other or, or like had sex with other people she's like no i'm not interested and so people I, that's the biggest hate i probably get at the minute is people going so she's monogamous and you're poly that so must be so horrible for her um you know is she just sad all the time is she and i mentioned that because we both suffer from jealousy occasionally um and i'm like jealousies are totally normal like you don't the sex doesn't have to be involved for jealousy like if she goes out for drinks with her female straight friend i'm like i'm jealous like they're having so much fun or like just these little things with just as humans you're like oh i'm jealous that her work's taking her off to that country to do this like it's normal and it's just like all feelings just treat them as visitors just welcome them in feel the feelings and then just let them go sort of thing and and think about why what's triggered you to be that way but people are just saying to me oh like oh i think that's really unethical that that 
you go and do this and she doesn't. And I'm like, that's her choice. She can do whatever she wants. It's kind of like I've somehow tricked her into, because there are toxic relationships. Like for instance, I'll tell you a story, a woman, I posted a picture. So to talk about my dynamics, let's say with Alex, we have, a, and I follow another good account of their whole account is about their dom sub relationship. So they they call themselves in their bio 24 seven DS, maybe something like that. But essentially, because some people are just like, okay, I'm the dominant one in the bedroom and he or she is the submissive one, but we're equals in our um, life. Whereas our relationship, the way we've set it up is very much, she's like, she's 24 seven submissive and I'm 24 seven dominant. And for instance, I even have to, you know, she's like, what shall I wear? And I'm like, oh, you know, either of those looks good. And she's like, I want you to have a preference. I want you to tell me what to wear. And like, even to the point where I'm like, she's like, can I wear this? And I'm like, oh, you look smoking hot. She's like, so you want me going out looking smoking hot so other people look at me? And I'm like, yes. No, no, I don't. I would hate that. And she's like, good. <laughs> I'm like, you should cover up. And she's like, oh, that's turned me on. And I'm like, oh my God, you're so toxic. Like, like you want me to be she's like look i want to be in a 1950s marriage where where i do as i'm told um it's it, and it's funny because it's like i'm so not controlling and i'm so like i want her to have the best life but then so i i do turn i do change the way i act for her i'm like you should wear this and so i said something like i didn't let her this is about another partner but i said i didn't let her dye her hair a different color or something like that and I got hate for that. And then with, and I'll tell you about the specific instance. There was another one where I posted a picture of Alex. I posted a picture of three partners. And I knew that Alex didn't like that picture of herself. And I posted it on purpose, one, because we had discussed the picture. She looks amazing. And I was like, you need to stop talking badly about yourself. That's one of our rules. You can't talk badly about your, your body. And I'm going to post this because other people will say amazing things about you. And I want you to hear people speaking good things about you who don't have any, you know, I'm going to say, oh, you're hot because I want to sleep with you. You know, I have to say it. Whereas if other people who don't, you'll get the message anyway. So I posted it. She then WhatsApps me. I can't believe you posted that photo. You know, I hate it, whatever. Anyway, someone messages and I posted screenshots of that on my story. Someone messages, this is disgusting. How about you just ask her in future before posting it um, if she likes it or not? So I was in one of those moods and I replied, oh, you're mistaken that I actually care what she thinks. Um, I don't. Um, and and then I was like, oh God, that's too far. So I was like, but it's no. But. Yeah, but I was like, no, seriously, we have a really communicative relationship. Anyway, she came back and she, well, after we'd been talking, she was like, I'm really sorry. I'm in an abusive relationship. And my partner, because I said to her, look, don't be such a thicko that you, you know me, you follow my account. I'm the most communicative, uh, communicative, empathetic, amazing partner. Can't, you know, while saying nice, but I'm just like, I could, yeah i'm just like you can quite clearly see we have this amazing dynamic where we talk about everything and there's so much respect don't be stupid 
And she just basically goes, I'm so sorry. Like I'm in an abusive relationship. He wouldn't care less about posting a picture or sending a picture without asking me. He doesn't care. And I was like, I'm really sorry talking. She was just like, yeah, do you know what? I was just projecting on you. And I was like, I don't judge you. Thanks so much for like taking my sort of dry sense of humor. Um, well, but it is just this thing of projection of uh, that people can't get past. They can't see, they see abuse. Like they see that, um, you know, any of these things. And this is why I do struggle a bit when I'm talking about our dynamics, like say mine and Alex's, because people, you know, the, the, the polyamorous side of it, the BDSM or, you know, Dom sub dynamic, people just see it as, oh, so you like to hit women. And I'm like, I actually don't but they beg for it. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's, I'm like, cause I, one of my partners, she just loves pain. I posted about my story, just like, and I hate pain. I'm such a baby. And even you saying that, if you tell somebody, no, they, they beg for it. Even perpetuates you looking like some controlling person. Of course you would say that they're begging. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you can't win. And it is one of those things. I can't remember. Um, I think the rock's daughter, called herself something different she's become a wrestler and she got so much hate for not using the rock name and she came out and said if i called myself so and so the rock so whatever you'd all say i was piggybacking off my father's success because i've chosen not to you're choosing to insult me that i'm dishonoring him i can't please everyone so i'm just going to do what makes me happy so same with life it's same with relationships. I'm going to be in a poly relationship. Great. They might end. Like I, I have actually recently, and I, I haven't told my Instagram following this, I get DMs all the time. I often just use their initials. So she was N. And people are like, you haven't posted N recently. Is everything okay? How's N? Is it just you and A and T at the minute? Where's, where's J? Like whatever. And I haven't told them, but we have sort of decided mutually to go our separate ways. But we're still very much have so much love for each other. And it's a, it's another thing about polyamory and, and ENM that I have found that I am with at least two or three of my ex-partners. I'm like best friends with them. And we don't sleep together because one of them is now in a monogamous relationship, but we're still best friends. But I, I don't personally see that happening a great deal in monogamous relationships. Like, because it's that thing of, and I get it. I get if you're monogamous, you fucked that person. You've been intimate with them. They've done this to you. They've done that to you. Like it's hard. Whereas when you're kind of used to that, that's not what makes a relationship. That's not what makes us special. It is the, the, the sex is a result of all the great things about the relationship. It's not what makes necessarily the relationship great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've kind of spoken loads about, uh, I didn't really answer your question about polyamory, but I think I did a bit. Yeah. Um, well, and our, our relationship has evolved, uh, and I, I, I hesitate to use that word because it almost sounds like it's synonymous with improved, and I don't mean it that way, but yeah, you know, we started out very, yeah, it, it's very fluid, and you know, we've talked about and experimented with separate dating recently, and, and we've... we've thrown about the word polyamorous, so that, whereas seven, eight years ago when we first started, those would have been deal breakers. This is ended. We're not doing this anymore kind of thing. Yeah, that's so cool. But a, a, as you expose yourself to more and more or, or, or a greater diversity of different ways of thinking and different relationship forms and styles and you meet people that are engaged in it, all of a sudden the, the, the scary demons don't seem so scary anymore. Mm -hmm. And 
our relationship has been so rock solid from the beginning that it has served as a platform or a, a solid foundation to experiment with other things. And, you know, if we, we find out ah, that wasn't really something we enjoyed, we just come back to each other. And, yeah. You know, that was a do you think, do you think the reason that's happened, I'm kind of using a word, maybe putting in your mouth, but like, because I hear a lot of people saying that of like, we, it was sex, but you can't go like some people in the swingers world would be like, you can't kiss someone. You can do the physical, but there's no kissing. You can't do texting. Like some of my probably people I'm closest with in swingers world, they don't do texting outside. You know, it's like we meet to arrange, but there's not like communication, flirty texting and communication. And so I just feel like, like what you were saying there is like you, it sounds like you were like, look, that would have been a deal breaker, but now it's not. And for me, it's just like the, it comes back to trust and the strength of the relationship and then that removing fear. Like you don't think that Scott April going on a separate date is I'm losing them. You just lose that fear. So it's like, oh, we, I'm comfortable with exploring that. And can we keep communicating about it? I just like, is that, I'm just interested how you got from no to let's try it. I think it is just continual communication. And it does build trust and remove that fear because yeah. that, I think that for me, at least it was that fear. Like we've got something so great. We've got such a great relationship. What if this messes it up? What if we take mm. another step further and it messes it up? But we both feel yeah. capable of loving other people without fear of losing yeah. what we have. Yeah. It, it even yeah. feels like the closer we get to another person, the closer we end up getting to each other. You know, it, it, it's yeah. almost like you, uh, you continually are learning how to love and connect better with people. The longer, or at least for us, the longer we've been in this, the better I've gotten. I grew up in a, a not a touchy-feely household. Like, I never saw my parents kiss, not once that I remember. Um, wow. We didn't hug a lot. My family really didn't do that stuff and and so i had to you know that was kind of a hurdle that as especially as we've been in this relationship now i'm a huge hugger and i love to touch and pet and and being you know physical with people sometimes i don't ask for consent so i've got to work on that but, yes you do <laughs> uh, <laughs> i mean the hugs things but you know the the more we are able to um play around with the type of life we want to lead the better I seem to get at relating to her, even if that new thing we're trying doesn't directly involve her, it benefits her and, and the things that she's doing benefit me. Yeah. There's how I, when I first started identifying as Polly and, and, and had a, a sort of second girlfriend as it were, that's probably the biggest period of growth. And that's when I, with Alex, just, I was like, I want to be with you forever. Like if I, if I wanted to get married, which I don't, I would have, that would have been like, I'm going to propose. Like in that year, when I first got there, it was just like our love or my love for her, her at least just went through the roof. And it, so it just mimics like in terms of what you say there, like even just that new experience. And, and it is something for me and I don't know what it is. Um, it's just the communication and the conversations you end up having or something just like last night we had a really sort of tough conversation or or a 
like an in-depth talking about boundaries and, and stuff like that with a new person I'm seeing. And uh, we were just like talking and then I, but like really serious, like I started the conversation with, can I have a conversation with you that's just a safe conversation? And like not react. And because we're quite jokey, sometimes you might say something and then they'll go, oh, so you don't love me or, you know, like a joke, whatever. Whereas I, but we don't do that if it's like, can we have a safe conversation? But then, so we're having quite a difficult conversation and it, it wasn't actually particularly pleasant. And then I kissed her and then, and then my hands sort of went down like that. And then she started laughing. I was like, why are you laughing? And she was like, you just love talking, don't you? You're horny. And we were just in a bad place. And I'm like, I like deep connection. And I was just like, it was just that thing of like, we, it felt safe. We were able to like be vulnerable and then we kissed. And then I'm like, of course I want to have sex with you. I'm just like, that's just how this works, isn't it? But it's like, I feel like normally you'd be like, oh, we just have a bit of downtime separation. I'm like, no, I want to be in you. Uh, we've just had a fight. Um, yeah. So coming back to your nutrition expertise, um, what are your thoughts on the use of diet soda? Oh, God. <laughs> I actually listened to one of your podcasts. We'll talk about it. But Scott is diet Dr. Pepper drinker, like a two liter plus a day. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Look, uh, I know it's not a good thing. Right? I'm, I'm, and, I'm unaware. <laughs> and what, what are your feelings towards diet drinks, April? Before I. Um, I think they're okay in some instances. I think yeah. when it becomes like an addiction yeah. and you're, you're choosing that over like water, I think sure. excessive is too much. Mostly my concern is like the additives and the fake sugars and stuff like that. I, I should sure. point out that diet like pepper is like 98%. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so, so this is the thing, right? So I'm a, I, I'm, I hate the taste of water for a start. So I guess the, you could call that a conflict of interest. Like I constantly drink flavored stuff. So this is just like a sugar-free sports drink. It's just water flavorings, artificial sweeteners. I'm a big white monster. Do you know Monster Ultra, the white cans? Just like, I hate coffee. I wish I loved coffee because it's more cultured yeah. and it has great health you know, benefits related to it and the sort of prebiotic fibers and all these cool things, but I just hate it. Um, so I, instead of having a coffee in the morning, I have a can of monster. Um, and, and I get a lot of grief for it and you kind of look like you're a degenerate, but you know, drinking a can, it's like you're drinking a can of beer or Stella. Or like, don't it's just like walking down the street. It's like, Oh, look at that person. He's a scumbag. Um, so Do you ever but, nutrition? <laughs> yeah exactly but so so long story short is artificially sweetened drinks diet sodas as you call them the research doesn't support any major negative health benefits so or uh, health effects so there's you know so yeah you know scott i'm on your side again when it's caffeinated i don't actually know if dr pepper so obviously diet coke is caffeinated so there is a level a small level of dependence that can be created if we want to use the word addiction there is a physiological dependence that can be created but the problem is is most people go you shouldn't drink diet coke are completely and utterly addicted to coffee so it's they're just hypocrites like 
caffeine, yes, can cause this um, downregulation of your adenosine receptors, etc. But we're not um, really discussing that. What we're discussing is artificial sweeteners, which is the um, uh, the things that, that cause the sweet taste, not the alertness. And the research just doesn't show that there's any negative health effects of those. Like something might come out that we see it changing our gut microbiota and somehow we see that that's changing our health status somehow. People talking about you drink artificial sweet, sweetened drinks and it causes an insulin spike. That's not true. Like you'd die if that happened. It's just dumb people saying words that they think they understand when they don't. Um, so there's also the teeth health thing. That's the only thing I will say, teeth health, but it's all of these sort of acidic, acidic drinks. But again, brush your teeth, use Sensodyne, whatever. So, I, yeah, so. Case then. Yeah, yeah, get off his case. <laughs> Thanks, Martin. That alone is worth this podcast. <laughs> how does nutrition in gym, big picture stuff here, not, not nitty gritty, but yeah. uh, how does nutrition play into sexual health? sexual performance, um, libido or erectile. And look, I'm throwing a lot of things and it can, there yeah. can be a, an answers to this, but cool. uh, if people are saying, you yeah, look, I'm, I'm going to eat the way I want to eat. That's fine. Uh, sometimes how it affects you in the bedroom can be one of the most motivating things you could possibly, yeah. you know, especially yeah. in your relationship and, and you're about to try a, a date with a new partner, you know, you you want to perform well. So how does nutrition and that area affect sexual? There's a lot yeah. of that. So nutrition and sexual health do, do have a huge interplay. And I'm going to just stick nutrition and exercise in the same bracket here. Um, and I'll talk about when they're different. Um, but to talk about that, you know, in terms of finding someone's why, and when we talk about behavior change, which for me is just this massive area that our graduates, we or our students talk to them about, um, is is finding someone's why and the behavior change aspect of that. Because, uh, and the kind of extrinsic versus in intrinsic motivations and the different outcomes you get from them. To use myself as an example, I don't particularly like exercise. I don't particularly like the gym anymore. Um, I certainly don't like any cardiovascular exercise, ex at least not outside of the bedroom and i honestly say to you know i'm like that's the only reason i'm somewhat healthy is did my heart rate working then but one of the things for me is like yeah in the bedroom like plasma volume so the volume of your blood which you know coming back to your point there about you know erectile um dysfunction or or or, or um you know erection strength and these sorts of things you it plays a huge role in terms of your cardiovascular health, your whole cardiovascular system, like uh, the penis being this, this thing that functions based on blood flow and the, the drugs that you can take are functioning based on getting more blood to that area. Well, the side effect of exercise, aerobic exercise is increased plasma volume. So for me, when I go running, it's like, oh, you're looking after your heart. And I'm like, no, I'm looking after my penis. Like that's what's going through my head. Nothing to do with, oh, you might live an extra year. It's so abstract to me that it's not a good why and not a good motivator. Whereas how am I going to enjoy my hobbies, my hobby being sex, 
that's going to be a big factor. And exercise is so powerful in terms of libido, like you just said there. The the stress reduction sort of sort of after exercise, the impact of that, the the endorphins, etc. Um, but but lots of it is this overarching thing: nutrition and exercise. Libido is hugely dampened by poor health, poor health status. So the more you can do things like resistance exercise and cardio and the eating well, like, oh, what's the point in eating vegetables? I don't get the point. They don't taste nice. But actually lots of the bioactive compounds that we actually don't understand very well can be hugely beneficial. So for instance, uh, in the performance nutrition world, people talk about beetroot and the nitrates in beetroot and the impact that can have on VO2 max. And that's something that actually might be helpful for individuals because the beetroot research came for the cardiovascular disease research initially in terms of vasodilation. So it's like, cool, more blood flow. So if there's ever a reason to eat your spinach and eat your beetroot, it's for that reason, you know, improving your sex life, not necessarily, oh, you know, I'm, I might, my, my aorta is going to be happy with me today. It's like, no, you're sort of. We have a non-stem beetroot pre-workout that we may need to try before sex. <laughs> well, you like, and, and that, so I'm talking about chronic, but there are these acute things that people do talk about. And it's, uh, there's a, there's quite a famous ex porn star who's become very big on social media. And I don't, I think he does talk about some good stuff, but he also goes outside of his lane a lot. And when he touches on nutrition, so he talks about like a boner shake. So he's like, yeah, the night before I do a scene, I drink a boner shake. And he's like, and I can't, it's like egg whites and uh, whey protein. And, and he, you know, he talks about all these things and he's like, this is guaranteed. To, and it's, it's not evidence-based. Like it's, it's silly. There's nothing magical about those foods. But, but when I say magical, I'm talking about beetroot. There's something magical. There's something unique about potentially consuming that food. Um, there's nothing magical about your boner after having a scoop of whey protein, unfortunately. But... That's a genius idea. We should have used that as a product to sell on our <laughs> Yeah, boner shake. Boner shake. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, the, the other one that's a, a fad, which I actually looked into the research because I was like, I'm, I am interested. I don't just go, that's bullshit ignore it like i look into it another one was about size of loads and sometimes like lots of women in the research when they do surveys uh correlate the size of load with sexual attraction and satisfaction how much they've satisfied their man so unfortunately that's not true as a man you don't necessarily have a bigger load because you love or fancy whatever the girl more but as a man i'm like i want to be better for you so it's like that's a selling point so it's like cool so celery is the one everyone's like eat loads of celery and it gives you bigger loads so he's telling that that's also not particularly true um but there are things in terms of your overarching question like adequate protein intake is important like it's like you don't have to want to be a bodybuilder or be jacked or these things to like eating enough protein is going to benefit lots of boring health things in your immune system but actually it's going to provide you know a stimulus for whole body protein synthesis you know building and repairing these things things like essential fat intake we know that fat is the um uh, a building block for our sex steroid hormones so again if you eat a very 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 low fat diet actually we see in men and women 
big reductions in those sex steroid hormones. Um, and it's one thing that I talk to people, I talk about within nutrition, coaching to diet or coaching to live, and also about setting expectations for your client. I want to lose weight because it will make me happy is not a good reason because it's not body weight that is really a, a good indicator of happiness. Likewise, I want to lose weight so I look different so I can get a partner because I want to have sex is no good is if you're dieting and you have no sex drive and you have no social life. It doesn't, the, the things people forget and they don't marry up. They're like, oh, look at this six pack. And it's like, cool, can you get it up? Not in a lifetime. Um, and, it, you know, it's like, talk to anyone who's done a photo shoot or like competed in bodybuilding. It's like, you have zero sex drive. Um, so the, the interplay is massive between these things. Interesting. I didn't know this. So the bodybuilding community in general, suffer yeah. libido typically yes obviously talking about natural so when you start using exogenous hormones which is very common within a because there's it's one of those sports which is quite nice where you get the choice like you compete in 100 meter sprinting and most people are taking steroids but there's a few people who are do, playing by the rules and not whereas bodybuilding you get to choose a federation natural or untested which means take all the drugs you can. But in that world, you're obviously, because testosterone massively drops um, in a calorie deficit and, and at low body fat levels, probably the main signaler is body fat levels. As, as they come down, you get below kind of your body settling point within a range. We start to leptin and, and kind of these master regulator hormones come down. And so libido just goes down massively. So unless you're injecting those things back into you, you're screwed. Well, you're not screwed. Um, you're not get you're screwed, but you're not getting screwed. Sadly. Well, yeah, it, and it's a it's a fascinating and in depth topic that can't be covered in five minutes. So yeah, suffice it to say, for all of you people who find sex an enjoyable or important part of your life, you have to make an effort to to lift a little bit of weight, move a little bit more, and eat a little bit better, and it's going to have a huge impact on anything associated with bedroom time mm -hmm. mm. and if you and those positive habits it's it also what it just does to your view of yourself sometimes it's not this is why i say about weight i see so many people who just moving in the right direction because they're looking after themselves and giving themselves that space and that time and just even like oh i just ate a bit better i didn't drop cut out any foods but i lost a bit of weight it wasn't the movement on the scales i just feel better in myself and now i'm more confident and everyone knows confidence is sexy and it's just like that's such a nice outcome of just all those things you just described yeah we've seen that so many times just in our coaching alone where we have a client that works out yeah. three days in a week and comes back the next week and said oh i'm so excited i can tell i look so much better in my clothes and i'm like yeah you probably don't but that's the your brain's way of rewarding you for this positive thing you've started yeah. and we trick yeah. ourselves into you know and it works in reverse you you you've been working out for 6 months consistently yeah. and then you skip a week and you think oh my god i look yeah. so bloated and awful and then not a person on earth could tell the difference they've never said that yeah. <laughs> i feel attacked <laughs> that's that's me right now i'm like i have not been going to the gym for months i'm just like i'm just a waste of space and then i love and then you know genetically i'm all right but it's just yeah i i get that i'm the same you bring up genetics i did raise a question is there truth to i think i know the answer to this but i, I want to hear yeah. an expert 
say it. Is there yeah. truth to, for some people, genetically, it is just far more difficult for them to lose weight? Uh, like, for instance, you'll see some people whose body shape, where they store fat, is in very specific areas. Some people, it distributes evenly. With April, you cannot tell. She, if she puts on 15 pounds, you just can't tell it spreads so evenly. Yeah. For other people, it goes to butt cheeks or hips directly or yeah. Are there genetic markers that prevent people or make it very difficult for some people to stay? Yes. Um, so the, so when I talk about settle, settling point, this is what we're really talking about in terms of everyone has, every, we're all on this spectrum. And what I will say is that we can have a say our settling point is here at this percentage body fat for instance our body likes to be within there we can go away on holiday don't exercise all you can eat resort and we maybe go up to this end of the the spectrum then we come back get back into work in a normal routine and we move back down to here but it's so hard for you to get outside of here if over a period of many many years you inactivity stress maybe you go through a, a breakup or some grief you know and you're using food to medicate and you and you go up here so your settling point might shift like this very very difficult to shift it this way unfortunately um maybe something to do with evolutionary biology we don't really know but it makes sense so you can you can sort of shift this up here which is unfortunate where uh sort of prevention is better than cure but you still have this range here and the other thing is it might shift up here you can still get to here but you'll have to have major lifestyle modification you'd have to become extremely active day to day you would have to make continual effort around your nutrition so it is possible um on top of this so you probably have heard of like metabolic adaptation and so different people will metabolisms will adapt to different amount to different levels so the magnitude of that adaptation will change a lot so everyone can lose weight so this crap about i'm carb intolerant i can't eat carbs so we've got different propensities to eat different things or, or feel different ways when we eat things but no one can't lose weight um but when you come back to what really matters what we eat and an appetite driving that if someone's eating ad libitum you know to pleasure people and this is the only gene we can measure there are genes there's loads of them and we've got correlations around different genes but none of them are particularly powerful and dna testing doesn't really work but we know one gene called the fto gene which you can get tested for but it's not very helpful to get tested for because when you got this double allele of the fto gene that means you'll typically have a higher BMI than someone who doesn't. You'll have a greater appetite than someone else and you'll struggle to lose weight. And you go, thanks for telling me all the things I already know because I live as this human being. What the fuck should I do about it? And that gene testing company will go, eat less and exercise more. Like we, we can't do anything more than that. So all of the principles that I'm sure you guys teach about eating a bit better and exercising a bit more, no one's going to benefit from going and getting their genes tested to go, oh, I'm a car burner, I'm a fat burner. Um, the research has clearly shown this. And I think one day, maybe, we might be able to. But I started studying this, and like I've got um, 
a paper published in experimental physiology in the area of genetics. And I was like interviewing like leading Cambridge geneticists and they were like 20, 30 years, we might be able to. We're now say 14 years on and I'm now saying 20, 30 years probably. Like in that whole time, nothing has improved. Like we, we don't know anything more than we did when I first looked at And I think with AI, the world's going to change super fast. And so maybe we will know. But right now, yes, Scott, to answer your question super quickly, we can, we do have g- different genetic tendencies towards losing fat, gaining fat, where we store it, as you rightly said, it's like totally different for different people and very hard. You can't tell your body, lose it off my tummy, annoyingly. Um, and people will find it uh, h- harder. But the key thing as well is genetics isn't your destiny. That's I'm really always keen to sort of remind people, you know, genetics loads the trigger, but actually your environment and your habits is what pulls that trigger. So you, you're not, your genetics aren't your destiny. You can make a difference, but also just don't look at a picture of someone else. You know, don't go, I want to be like April because it's like, yeah, you can't like, you're going to, it's it's the perfect, isn't it? You don't really, you gain the fat evenly whereas someone else gains five pounds and it all goes to their tummy and they're like, that's not fair. And li- life isn't fair. Um, that's the, that, if you, if we can just go, you we're all dealt a, a hand of cards, play your hand well. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a hard thing as a coach to tell, well, nothing I've ever directly told a client this, but yeah. you get that, those kinds of requests. This is what I want to look like. And you, you don't want to say you can't probably get there. Now, what you do say is, look, we can make big improvements. Mm. <laughs> going to take time it's going to take commitment it's going to take a lot of changes in your life um but it's a delicate thing to try to shift somebody's objectives their goal from this picasso i mean this uh michelangelo picture of the perfect body and say you know maybe you can get there I, i don't know but some people do have genetic advantages and that that's not to impugn the hard work that people that get these great stage yeah are doing you have to have that hard work but it is slightly easier for some people yeah and for some people it's just never going to happen to that extreme um in fact yeah. it would probably be unhealthy for some people to even try to get into that. yeah um but it is a very difficult thing to tell people and and after all of this research that we've done it seems like the answer is still eat your lean protein and vegetables and Move, move a little bit more and try to do some resistance training. And um, yeah. you know, there's good and bad ways to do those things, but that's the formula. And There are different things that on an individual level might benefit that person more than another, which is why it's really great working with a professional. Some people I see on, oh, the, I'll get criticized. Oh, you're trying to make stuff sound scientific and fancy. Everyone just needs to do this. And I'm like, yeah, in essence, you're sort of right. But on an individual level, one, people can't always do those things. On another level, there might be something that them as an individual, we can optimize that will make things easier for them. So it's like, yeah, we're still doing the same principle of an energy deficit, for instance, but achieving that energy deficit for this person as a professional, I might be able to make that easier for someone. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise, it just is so boring, isn't it? Well, just like I hate, uh, no one should be told eat less, exercise more. It's because that's not motivating and it's just like quite negative, but it's 
that's sort of our basis for what we're trying to do but it's more like okay how can what enjoyment can we find in exercise what's our best exercise that suits us and our lifestyle and these sorts of things and how can we eat better maybe not just less but eat better yeah and it's habit based we that's we i mean years ago did um i think subscribe to more of a rigid like when people would come to us for coaching we you know because that was what was the information yeah. we had from then but now yeah. we can go all body types are okay, but let's look at your habits. How can we move mm-hmm. the needle health-wise, drink a little more water, eat some fruits and vegetables and meats and move more? And um, yeah. And talking about the individualization of it, you know, you, let, let's say the God that we don't believe in came down and gave us the perfect human dietary plan and workout structure. If that it followed, to the letter, you're going to look and feel perfect and be optimally healthy. And technically, that would be the best fitness and nutrition plan you could have. However, it may not be the best plan for you because if it's horribly boring to you or you hate it, you yeah. still got to be able to stick to it. Yeah. And so sometimes it's better to take what might be a suboptimal plan and prescribe it to somebody because it's yeah. something that they will enjoy and stick with. Because a, a less than optimal plan done consistently is far better than an optimal plan done inconsistently. And so sometimes yeah. there's so many things you have to balance as a coach, try to figure out what's going to optimally help somebody change those, you know, their activity and habits and stuff. Yeah. There was a, I did a post just, I was just seeing if I could see where it was, but on there was a, a new study on veganism. Um, and, uh, it's, I think they took the study and they put it on, it's in the Netflix documentary. I don't know if you saw the big hoo-ha about this, but essentially the vegan diet ended up having slightly better results in terms of outcomes, I think on insulin sensitivity or something like that. But two things that happened where they were supposed to eat the same number of calories in the two diets, the non-vegan. So it was a healthy omnivorous versus a healthy vegan diet. And, um, People didn't like the vegan food, so they ended up eating even less than these sort of isocaloric. Di- so they lost more fat, so which we know ends up impacting insulin sensitivity. And the biggest kicker was at the end of the study, they basically asked people, would you be able to stick to this? And it was something like one subject in all of the vegan groups said that they would they would pursue this in the future and do it. And it's just like, what's the point like for that slightly better thing for eight weeks or 12 weeks or however long the study was you're just not ever going to stick to it because these people didn't like it it's so restrictive um so yeah just to speak into your point it's like something could be optimal if you're stuck in a metabolic ward doing this thing but no one's going to stick to a diet they hate for the rest of their life well all right well martin we've been thoroughly enjoyed this has been great and hope we can talk Again soon. We, yeah, for sure. it, it's something uh, our event in at hedonism in Jamaica. You know, we'd love to talk to you about possibly coming to that. I think you mm. did for it, but uh, I saw that you posting about it. It's it's January. I think you just posted it, tw- January twenty twenty five. Is that right? Yeah. First full yeah. January fourth through the eleventh. Looks so cool. It's so, like I, I I can't remember. I think yeah, I yeah. DM'd. No, I DM'd your Instagram account when I saw you doing it last year, and I was just like, God, we would love to uh be there with you we're just like obviously the dates didn't work but it's like it does look like such a cool thing just all of the different uh aspects i want to go to like a festival here in the summer where 
you know, just different workshops and stuff. It just yeah. like-minded people. I just love it. I've got, we've got a party this weekend and we're putting on a social for a non-play social for newbies to the ENM lifestyle. Um, I just, it's just so nice, isn't it? Just like, the, I've loved this conversation. Honestly, I could just talk all day with you guys. Um, cause it's just like like-minded people, right? Um, you're going to have to find one of your partners and have sex now. I'll just talk in this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but we should do it again sometime. All right. Sounds good. Well, real quick before we go, we'll wrap this up. Tell people how they can find you on social media or how they can reach out to you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So if people want to talk about the ENM stuff, uh, my it's ENM underscore Martin, I think is my handle on Instagram. And you just request a follow. I have to accept you. Um, if I don't, just DM me. And uh, my other one is Martin Nutrition is my kind of other account. But honestly, I'm way more active on my smaller account because it's just easier and more fun. Uh, they can find me anywhere. And then again, if they want to know about if you've got any kind of fitness professionals or people who want to sort of study nutrition, learn loads more, uh, mac-nutritionuni. Mac dot com is is that website but again if you just google my name it's all there yeah great martin well, mcdonald as well thank you appreciate it and uh, we've enjoyed it. yes yeah. thanks for having me right.